I'd like to ask you to turn back a few more pages uh, to Ephesians 4 again. Ephesians 4, just want to concentrate on three verses today. And really, especially on verse 12. But we'll read 11 to 13 and then um, focus in on verse 12 uh, especially. Let me read 11 to 13 and uh, pray and we'll, we'll go to work on this passage. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for uh, this time in your word. We're thankful for the word. We're thankful for discipleship. Um, and that those that you have given us um, as evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip uh, the saints to do the work of ministry, to serve so that the body of Christ would be built up. And we pray that we would, you would use your word um, to um, convict and encourage us today. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love for you to think about those that have discipled you. I imagine that's a num- large number of uh, folks. It certainly has been in my life. And uh, also to those that you are called to disciple. And uh, that's really kind of what we're going to be um, looking at today. We're going to see that every believer is involved in building up the church. And uh, how do we do this process of what we see in verse 12, equipping the saints for the work of ministry or service, and then that, in turn, builds up the body of Christ. You see in verse 11 that he gave the apostles and the prophets, those are foundational. Those uh, were um, finished in the, old, in the New Testament, the beginning of the church, and uh, we're not getting any more of those now, but thou that has taken the place, the evangelist the shepherds, and the teachers, the elders in the church. And what are they to do, the leaders in the church? They're to equip the saints, to equip the saints for ministry, or other translations say for service, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith. And so what is the body of Christ when we build up the body of Christ? What's that look like? We see it there until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And so we want to know Christ. We want to have a greater knowledge of Him. To know Him better is to love Him more. And that will show throughout our lives. And we can persuade others to love Him. And to mature manhood, to the measure and the statute um, of the fullness of Christ, to become more like Jesus. So in its simplest form... Discipleship is helping another become like Christ. But what we're going to focus on here is especially these, this, that little part there in verse 12. How are we to equip the saints for then the work of ministry and the building up of the body of Christ? So we're going to look at what is discipleship? Why are we called to disciple? How does one disciple another? Who is to disciple who? 
And when are we to start discipling another? So the what, why, how, who, and when of discipleship. And that's what we're looking at here. How do we help each other to become more like Christ? Disciples always will produce other disciples. Right? Ephesians, the Great Commission, what are we commanded to do? Matthew 28, 19, very familiar. Go and make disciples. But that's certainly, I mean, it's a simple command, I think, but it's not an easy job. Luke 9, 16 says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's not simple. The price is high. We're called to count the costs in Luke 1433, if any of you does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. So, discipleship is certainly uh, not easy. It costs us. It costs us to be a disciple, and it costs us to disciple others. But um, I think we can see today from this passage and many other passages that it's worth it. So, um, being a disciple, certainly not for the faint-hearted in Christian circles. We sometimes think of discipleship of a couple people getting together on, you know, every Tuesday night, every other Tuesday night from 7 to 9. And certainly, you know, maybe studying something. And, that, and it is that. But what's thrilling to me today, and what I guess I'd love for us to feast on today, is it's not just that. All of us have been gifted in different ways. And that is a fantastic way to disciple somebody. No doubt about it. But there are so many ways that we can pour into each other. In verse 12 here, there are so many ways that we can do the work of ministry or the work of service. MacArthur says that everybody has a spiritual gift. Everybody that's a true believer has a spiritual gift. And that's like, a snowflake in that there's no two, it's that really true, no two snowflakes the same. Didn't they get like seven to 12 feet of snow at Lake Tahoe? And none of those, that's a lot of snowflakes. And none of those two are the same you hear. I don't know who, knew, who figured that out. But there's no two people that are spiritually gifted the same. So I'm, I'm thrilled by that. That makes things a lot of fun, doesn't it? Nobody should be comparing their giftedness with someone else because only the Lord gifted you like you are. And this is um, verse, I love this passage in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 are both great on spiritual gifts. But listen to this. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So none of us chose our spiritual gifts. That was only the Holy Spirit's call. And he gave you just the spiritual gifts that he wanted to, the blend of them that he wanted you to have in order to do these things that we see in verse 12. In order to do the work of the ministry, so the building of the body of Christ. And so... Um, we can pour our lives into others so that they will grow in the Lord. To disciple somebody is just that then. And those three things in verse 13 are accomplished, that we will attain to all the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and to mature manhood in the measure of the statutes of the fullness of Christ. So that is what 
discipleship is. Number two, why are we called to disciple? It was Christ's model. Christ had 12 of them. He equipped those 12 disciples, and out of that 12, he had an inner circle of three. Peter, James, and John makes me think of what the other nine thought sometimes. I would have to think there might have been a little jealousy as he spent time with them, wouldn't you think? It would be like, wait a second, what about those guys, you know? And then even there might have been some, some yapping back and forth on that, but that is what he showed us to do. Uh, we've seen it in Acts when Mark preached through there that God multiplied the early church through those 12. That is how it started. Pretty small, but it has grown to be uh, quite, a, quite a large tree now. Quite a, that mustard seed has grown, hasn't it? So the exciting part here is that God is now calling us in this. He's equipped the saints through church leaders, through the elders, we're called to equip the saints. And then, so that's an enormous responsibility there in verse uh, 11, that he's given the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints. So the elders of the church, they're not called to do all the work, are they? They're called to get the work done, right? That's the responsible for that. But they can't possibly do all the work. That's for all of us. That's for all 120-something members for us uh, to get this work done. And I would say this, as I was thinking about this and um, uh, preparing a little bit, I was just thrilled. This was not at all to be what my brother calls a do-better speech. Our church has discipled each other so well in so many ways. And I think it's ramping up. In the last year or two, I think there's so many now Bible studies and people that are invested in other people. And uh, certainly Papa has done such an extraordinary job, and Karen too, at pouring in to individuals and in groups. And we just see that's happening all over the place. And I hesitated even. I was going to start trying to name all the Bible studies and all the things going on, and I'm sure there's tons of things that we don't, that I don't even know about. But there's so much of that happening. So this is not at all, a, hey, we're not getting the job done, let's get after it. This is to pour fire, to pour fuel on that fire that's already blazing, that we would have an inferno of discipleship as we, in eight years, have seen so many people come to love and know the Lord Jesus, and I think grow in that. But that's just the beginning of, I think, what the Lord could do through, uh, through North Avenue um, in this. So who's to do the work? We are. We're to do the works of service. Every single one of us, everybody that God has um, brought to himself, that those that he has foreknown and predestined and called and justified now are to pour into each other and do the works of ministry. And that is not going to look alike for any of us because of our spiritual giftedness. That is going to look different. And again, to try to mention all the different ways that you guys are serving each other, that would have been a long, long list. And I know I would have missed so many things. So it is a biblical mandate and model for the church 
to do this. And what is exciting about it, too, is that this becomes multiplication then instead of just addition. Think about if there was 100 of us, and we, every year, evangelized and did a pretty good job of evangelism, I would say, and we saw one person come to know the Lord Jesus, then there'd be 200, and then next year it'd be 300, next year it'd be 400. I'd be really excited. How about we disciple, though? How about we still see that 100 come to Christ and disciple them, and then they do it, too? Well, then it's 100 to 200 to 400 to 800 to 1,600 to 3,200. And all of a sudden, I'm not sure this place even holds 3,200. Right? That's an explosion of growth when you start multiplying, and that's what we are called to do. So Christianity is not a spectator sport. Right? We are called to disciple each other, and the way Jesus did it with those 12 disciples is class was always in session. Right? I don't think there was ever a time where just everybody puts their hair down and we're not being discipled right now. Time out for discipleship. I don't think there was such a thing. It was always going on. And that's the way we can do it. We can, in our families, that's what we're called to do. And at seasons, that might be 95% of our discipleship, right? Just with our kids, especially when they're small. It, it's different in every situation. So we don't want to just put this cookie cutter and say it has to be this way or that way. And uh, certainly by giftedness and in the seasons of life, that changes. So why are we called the disciple? Because that's what Jesus has modeled. And that's what he's given us in this passage to say multiplication is, can fly, you know, flow out of that. I could add to 12 disciples. Number three, then, how does one disciple another? As you've seen um, and become equipped, you're called to equip others. Um, that, again, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, such a beautiful picture. I wish we had a little bit more time there. Somebody is probably the elbow, and there's a shoulder, and there's a knee. But remember what it said, not everybody's an eye. Otherwise, you could really see pretty good, but you just couldn't hear or move a lick, right? And that's a, it's almost like a comical picture of that he gives us there, but to just show the whole body as it's, we're all different members. We all have a little bit of a different piece of the puzzle, but there isn't one that's more important than another. Once again, don't compare your gifts to somebody else's. I'm got tempted to do that, especially this afternoon with Mark's or Greg's or with uh, Scott's. It's just not that we don't have to do that. We don't. We God's gifted us just like we are, and um, so I love that we don't have to compare or envy somebody else's gift, but we just need to be faithful to use what He's given us. And so, first, there. The model that Christ set us on how we do it is to we are to follow Christ as I follow me as I follow the example of Christ. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1. So again, class was always in session. People learn a lot by watching. So the first way to disciple another is to model Christ. To model Christ. That's what Paul did. And then 
told the people to follow him as he followed Christ. And that's why the qualifications for elders are so rigid in First um, Timothy and Titus, so important. Secondly, and this is what um, Scott was just talking to us about, uh, about praying, pray for and with others. How are we going to disciple them? We're going to model Christ for them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to disciple them uh, by praying for them. First, uh, John chapter 17, we see Jesus praying for his disciples. You really can't disciple effectively if you're not praying for the people. And that might be the hardest part for me. Who has God entrusted to you? Is it your family? Is it somebody at work? Is it somebody in a Bible study? Is it your family group? Pray. Pray day in and day out. And I love Scott's challenge to us to say anytime we have the inkling in our mind, let's go to the Lord and pray. Make it your habit to pray with people. This may be one of the best ways to encourage others. Call people. Tell them you're praying for them. Pray with them um, on the phone. It's better to talk to God about man than it is to talk to man about God. It's really good for us to talk to man about God. We don't want to underestimate evangelism, but it's better yet to talk to God about man. Third, love them. Spend time with them. Give and serve them. Jesus did that. I think it's so amazing to me. In the last week of Jesus' life, if we were setting up the last week, if we were his uh, schedule setters, and he had one week to live, what would we said? We would have said, oh, we want everybody to hear him. Right? We got to get big stadiums full of people. What did Jesus do the last week of his life? He spent it with his disciples. He poured into those disciples. He loved them. He served them. He washed their feet. All of those things. And so, Time's a valuable commodity. I think it's probably our most valuable one. Most of us would, would say that. But love them, spend time with them, give, serve. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's a good model for us. These aren't in any order, certainly, because this one seems to me as it may be the most important one. And it's number four here that we would teach our disciples the Word. Teach them the Word. The Word of God changes lives. Jesus was constantly teaching. We see 2 Timothy 2, 3, 16, and 17, a familiar passage. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I love verse 17 that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. They're going to be equipped, right? So what are they going to do? Then they're going to go teach others. And then what's going to happen? That group's going to go teach others, and we got the multiplication going on. Second Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Again, He has given us all we need for life and godliness through his son and through his word. We need to teach his word. And Jesus said, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. We need to teach the word day in and day out. Teach the word of God. Number five then, hold them accountable. 
Proverbs 27, 17, a familiar verse, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We need to hold each other accountable. Good friends always remind others to um, abandon self in favor of an absolute obedience to Christ. So we need people around us and we need to disciple others and have folks that we can um, hold accountable. Six, encourage others. You disciple by encouraging them. Someone famous, um, uh, I don't know who it was, said I can live for two months on a compliment. And that Tom, not Tom Sawyer, he wasn't very famous. Mark Twain? Yeah. Uh, did he say that? Well, I don't know. He wrote that. Okay, he wrote that. So that's, you see there's a, a real encouragement that we can give to each other and we ought to be quick um, to encourage. But encouragement takes time, doesn't it? It takes thinking of others. Again, getting our mind off ourselves and focusing on other people. So what have we seen? We've seen that what is discipleship? It's helping another become like Christ. Why are we called the disciple? Because that was Christ's model. That's what he did. Number three, how does one disciple another? They set examples they, uh, of Christ. They pray for um, others. They love them, spend time with them, give and serve. Number four, they teach the word. They hold them accountable. They encourage them. And now number four, who's to disciple who? I love this verse. 2 Timothy 2.2. And this was, uh, Jared was talking about this um, in Saint School today. 2 Timothy 2.2. And what you have heard from, this is Paul talking to Timothy. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men. So Paul's saying, there's four generations here. Paul is teaching Timothy, who then is to entrust to faithful men the Word of God who is then able to teach others. Four generations. Here's what we see at North Avenue. There are already more than four generations going on. And Papa, if he's the great, 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 great grandpa of us all, then it's down the road. There are all of us have been discipled by him and now are trying to disciple others in that same way. And think about the multiplication then, how the family tree, the spiritual family tree grows um, out of that. And that's what we see here. So entrust the faithful men. I don't know if we can really say this anymore, but in Bible college, we were encouraged to look for those who were fat, faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful, available, and teachable. That was the goal, and that was the acronym that we were called to, uh, to, to go after. So look for those people that are faithful, available, and teachable, and then pour into them, and the Lord will use you. There's four generations there. Every believer needs to have someone pouring into them, a Paul. Every believer needs to have Barnabases 
right, that are encouragers that come alongside them. They may be similar to you where you're at. And every believer needs to have a Timothy that they are pouring into. And I would ask you, I would challenge you to say, do you have those in your life? Are you looking to somebody to learn from, to grow from? Go ask somebody, would you disciple me? Would you help me to grow, to make me more like Jesus? And then pray for people that you can pour into because they're out there and we need to do this. This is what we're called to do. If we look back up at our verse, this is what we do. We are to equip the saints and to equip the saints for what? For the work of ministry or for the work of service. And so who's to disciple who? Every believer is to be discipled and to disciple someone else. And certainly, this starts with our family. We would be negligent to to say it starts anywhere else. Parents, we have a responsibility. The number one responsibility we have is to disciple our children, to evangelize and to disciple um, our children. So parents, it's vital for the spiritual well-being of your children that you're discipling them by doing those same thing, six things that we just talked about. Um, class is always in session, right? They're always watching us, our children are. And so day in and day out, a consistency um, in order that they would become mature believers, um, pour your life uh, into them, and, uh, and then pray for them. Pray for them continually as God has challenged us to do today. So our family first and then others that God has entrusted to you, that's who we're to disciple. Pray for someone. If you don't have someone right now that you're born into, pray and I and imagine the Lord will answer that prayer. It would glorify Him to answer that prayer. And finally, when are we to disciple? The answer is probably obvious here. Make the most of every opportunity. Again, Scott has challenged this often to redeem the time. I remember uh, one of the men that discipled me in Myrtle Beach said, when's the best time to plant a shade tree? 15 years ago. When's the next best time? Today. And so that was what I was uh, impacted by to say, let's get after it. It's time now. Everybody's most important commodity is time. I certainly understand that. But what are we doing that's more important than discipling? Right? And I would have to say in my own life, I fritter away a lot of time that I should be pouring into somebody and uh, take, making uh, more of a, uh, of a conscious effort. Again, because Christianity is not a spectator sport. People choose to um, use their time in which ways, um, but it would be best to be pouring into each other. Spurgeon um, had a great quote. Somebody was griping about how small their church was. And he said, maybe it's as large as you'd like to give account for on the day of judgment. And I thought, that's a pretty good, pretty good thing there to think about. That who are we um, going to give account for? Who are we really pouring in to that... Um, 
someday is going to be our responsibility to to give account for. Um, too much is given, much is required, and we need to pour our lives out for Christ. We have opportunities to be blessed by serving. There's every part of the body is needed. And again, so many opportunities here, um, whether that would be, and again, if I just start naming them all from the nursery to security uh, to all the needs in the church, but then outside of the church to pour in to each other. So many um, opportunities. So being Christ's ambassador, wouldn't you agree, is the most precious job in all the world. And the time is now to, to go after it. And I had a list of folks um, that I thought of that had just poured um, into me. And I don't want to bore you with this list, but I guess I'm challenging you to think in the same way. To think, to say, who has really discipled me? And who am I discipling? Thought about my mom. Um, Ephesians 3 20 comes to mind. Um, her, her favorite verse that the Lord will do more than we could ask or imagine. She was the first one I would ask to pray. Uh, Dad had devotions for us every night. I don't know that I remember any of them, but I remember that we had devotions every night. I love my dad. He loved the Word. I grew to love the Word because that's what we did every night. And I'll, I it wasn't always excited about it. I'm really thankful for it now. Both of my brothers, in the way that they have served just relentlessly, Lucille Goosen, Pride Kindergarten, she was my uh, Sunday school teacher. And then the next year, Darlene Goosen was. They were both Goosens. They were married to brothers, I think. And uh, I just remember these two. They were older. They loved us so well. Uh, five or six and greatly impacted by them. They're both in heaven. Steve Goosen. That's now Lucille's Goosen's son. He became my high school Sunday school teacher and just relentlessly served me after I broke my neck just day after day. Still one of my best friends there. Pastor Seibel was one of our early pastors. And um, he set up a deal where about four of us got to preach a sermon. Whew, it was not a good one. But it was where we kind of got started to, to think about that. I got rebuked for a couple of things I said. Pastor Garvey was uh, the next pastor there that I served under as, as a youth pastor, and he had to do so many things to clean up the messes that I would make in ministry. He was so faithful. He was so patient. He was such a good disciple. Just day in, day out, moved to Columbia Bible College, and uh, Julian Riddle uh, became a man who just loved the Lord. He was an old football coach. Um, he would come in. He would show us how to defend the option, the triple option, and then he would tell us about the Lord. He was the first one that ever told me about Reformed theology. I thought he was so crazy. And now it's just been so life-changing. My roommate, Chief, three and a half years, just faithful me, helping me with every single thing I needed all through Bible college. 
hour after hour after hour he invested um, in my life. Amy, met Amy there in uh, Myrtle Beach um, later on for 25 and a half years. Her love, ministry, and service, just like that verse says, in her perfect giftedness for what I need, for what our family needs. I think of Cliff Mudge, while we were out there, the guy that talked about the 15-year tree, he was the Papa Fred act-alike that we had out there. He and his wife, Barbara, just poured in to Amy and I. Incredible. We moved to Georgia, and Jay and Gail Lawrence became just like Cliff and Barbara. God just replaced them. Sometimes I wonder, are these real people, or are these just angels that God sends just for us? Um, but uh, um, Gail came when Ben turned one and wanted to have a birthday party for him. And I wanted to go to her and say, who are, I've never, like I had never really met her. And she wanted to have a birthday party for Ben when she was one. I thought we should get to know each other first before we do stuff like this. And then it was just from then on, she was relentless in the way um, her and Jay took care of us, um, served Amy and I and our kids. I met Mark when I was 14, we moved out here. No, when I was 14, when he was 14. I was older than 14. And he was something. And uh, when he turned 16, he was changed drastically. And the Lord gripped his heart, and he didn't really want to. He got kicked out of weightlifting in order to get to the Bible classroom. And I know you shocking that I got kicked out of weightlifting when you look at him. But he is, uh, became a Bible classroom fanatic, and he just stayed in the Bible class. He took college classes in the evening so he could come during the day. I couldn't get rid of him, nor did I want to. I just became an assistant teacher and listened to him really um, teach the Word, learned so much for him. I think at one time I might have been more like a Paul, now I'm like a Timothy to him. Um, in learning so much from him. Um, I think of Ben, my son, and Maggie, the way they've served Ben. How many times have I asked him to do things? And he just is the same thing all the time. Sure, sure, <laughs> just does it. Mags is in the throes of that really right now. I think of people who have discipled my children, Josh Krause, Josh Chronic, poured into Ben, Karen Schuler, and the way she is, pours in day in and day out into my mags. Papa, the way he prays for us. My mom used to pray. Instead, I just call Papa. Now he prays. He calls continually. He texts meets with us. I think about the 10 guys that uh, come over to help me get me up in the morning. John and Kevin on Monday and Ken, David, Steve, Allen, Mike, Zach McCain, Billy. The way Billy served us, taking care of my wheelchair, the house, trees, my van, 
We just call Billy for everything, really. He just, that's the way he serves. That's the way he disciples. By using his giftedness. At the end of that list, I looked, counted them up, there are 34 people. And I've missed hundreds. Right? Who's, that, who's on that list for you, if you think about that? I guess I would like to take a minute and ask you to pray about that, but then also pray to say, who, who is it that maybe the Lord would have you pour into? Could it be that there's somebody younger in the faith that the Lord would really want you to pour into? In order that, just one more time, we would be able to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, individually and corporately as well. I'm going to give you a minute to thank the Lord for who he's used in your life, and then also ask you to pray um, if he would have you do pour into others. Father, I'm overwhelmed when I think about uh, the folks that you have providentially used in our lives. Um, Lord, I know that my life is no different than anyone here. Um, How you have brought people perfectly um, into our lives, maybe our parents or our grandparents, maybe others. Um, If we didn't have godly parents that you used to uh, draw us to yourself and now have been used by you to equip us to do works of service that the church would be built up. Thank you for how you're using Bob next week to do that um, at Black Mountain to uh, a number of men so we'd be able to back, go back home to our families and pour into them. I ask that. You would continue to use uh, this incredible method that you ordained um, of discipleship to build this church, North Avenue, um, for your glory, that we may spread your name and your glory um, to all the nations. In Jesus' name.